Hello and welcome to Launch Left, an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast, a label, a launch pad for artists. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. You can follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Today's guest, Jonah Yano. Let's find out how music found him. Hello. Hi, Jonah Yano. How's it going? Good. How are you? I am doing all right. Yeah. Are we talking to you in Toronto? Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Wow. By way of Japan, is that right? Yeah. And Vancouver as well. Right. Yep. Have you, have you uh, been inside for many months or <laughs> you, what's... Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, probably the same as you. Uh, just been trying to find different ways to pass the time, you know? Yeah. I assume you're staying creative. Maybe not, I- but... I don't know. Some days, I think every day is like a different kind of set of hurdles for, for like, I don't know how you feel about it, but every day is like a different set of hurdles for like coming up with ideas and articulating myself. Yeah. yeah. Is music your main art form? Um, or do you do yeah. other things? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, it definitely stems from, from um, like writing and, um, like journaling and writing poems and things like that. And, but it's, uh, yeah, I would say it's the main sort of, uh, it's the, the meat of the matter, <laughs> so, so to speak. <laughs> so I, I may be mistaken, but I think you have a musical family. Is that right? Yep. That's true. Um, my dad is a songwriter. My mom plays a few instruments and my grandmother is like a pianist and, yeah, a bunch of my uncles write songs, and yeah, music's all over the place in my my family. Do they all live with you in Canada? Uh, they all live in Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you at? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. How's so, everything over there? It's pretty good. Everything's opened back up, but it's strange. So. Yeah, for sure. I'm still, I'm, I'm still spending most of my time at home. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so there on the West Coast, you're on the East Coast of Canada. Yep. Uh, okay. And your dad, uh, I think it didn't he have something to do, or you made some of this record at his space or something? Is that? Yeah. Right? So there's like a a song at the end of the record. Um, uh, it's like a song he wrote about a pair of shoes he got me when I was like a little kid and um, my parents separated when I was four. So I, you know, moved back to Canada when I was four and I hadn't seen him in a super long time, but um, I had this like copy of a, a concert he had played in Hiroshima at a little bar from since I was like eight or nine or something. And there's a song, that song was on there. The one that he wrote about the pair of shoes he got me. And um, in the live performance, he like, I guess, extended the instrumental sections between the the things he was singing. So I just wrote my own verses on top of that. Oh, that's so cool. So you collaborated. Yeah, uh, by, so- yeah like 20 years apart or whatever. Uh, I love that. I'm actually a big fan of that. I've done that with my brother's work as well. So. Oh, yeah, it's true, true. Yeah. That's yes, I'm, I'm familiar. And how did uh, music find you, if you don't mind me asking? Like, what were your earliest memories of music? Um, 
my earliest memories of music. You know what? If I'm perfectly honest, I feel like I don't know. Um, but if I if I if I had to guess, it would be probably my dad around the house in Japan playing guitar or me he gave me a really small like have you ever seen like a gitalele like those like small scale yeah, yeah. acoustic guitars yeah yeah i had one of those when i was a kid and i think that is probably my earliest memory of music and anything musical um but uh yeah in my more like you know coherent years or like the years where i had like agency and over my creativity i think it found me by way of kind of interest in the music I was hearing around the house or like in the car. So things like, like Stevie Ray Vaughan and um, Tracy Chapman and, and things like that. I think, I don't know, music found me in like waves. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And you grew up playing in the house then because your dad was musical or did you, uh, when did you really kind of decide to write music as opposed to let's say poetry or um that was actually like four years ago or so okay um yeah i had always like taken guitar lessons and like practiced piano and stuff but i and been i was in bands in high school and you know just like shitty like garage like just terrible music on <laughs> it like i think every every musician uh, yourself included, I'm sure, you know, yeah. you have like memories of like jamming with people or it's just like, you know, this is just like not that great, but it's so much fun. And, yeah. No. But I, I, yeah. You know, and that's, that's like a classic feeling, but I think I, I seriously started writing songs, like trying to articulate something maybe four years ago or so. And when did you move from Japan to Canada? Were you a boy or was it? No, I was four. Like just oh, okay. a little okay. child. And uh, yeah, my dad stayed in Japan and my mom and my little brother and I went back to Vancouver where my mom is from. Do you remember that really well? Um, or uh, that transition, like whether positively or negatively? Um, and do you feel that it impacted your work when you did start writing four years ago? I... I didn't remember, I didn't really start thinking about it until um, maybe when I was like 10-ish or like starting to get into like my teenage like angsty kind of years where, you know, you're starting to understand your traumas a little bit. And um, so I didn't really start thinking about that transition of, of from Japan to Canada or like being Japanese or any any of those like kind of larger um, identity related things until um, I was a bit older. Um, but I, I do remember like reflecting on it when I was younger and just being more confused than anything, you know, uh, just not really having like a good understanding of what my circumstance even was or like why I felt felt any resentment towards it. Um, and to answer your question about having it get into my writing, I think uh, I practiced like songwriting for a few years before, you know, making this record. And um, I didn't really 
have the confidence to like tackle my like own vulnerabilities in through song and until like I wrote these songs and made that song with my dad's old song and stuff like that, you know. Um because those are those are hard things to to like write about. Um yeah. yeah, I'm I'm sure you can relate. Um you know like understanding your your like confusion of a circumstance and your lack of control over things through song is like it's um it's not the easiest thing in the world to do with confidence, you know? Yeah. Or uh, for me, I think it's certainly not something that, um, you know, I, I sit down and write directly about. It's it's in, in reflection often months or even a year later that the lyrics speak to me of, of a time and a place. It's like the poetry between the lines, you know, between the lines. It, of that poetry is the real uh, biographical story that I think only the writer in many senses can unpack, you know? Um, And I also really like that as an artist because you're leaving it open to the listener too to unpack and read between the lines their own story within lyrics if it's not so dead on. Right. Like I can't imagine like sitting down and going, I'm going to write about this specific time in a very obvious personal way. You yeah. Know? Like matter of fact, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. So I did, but I, do, I have noted that, you know, when time passes reflecting on the lyrics, I can, I can definitely pinpoint, Oh, that's what I was writing about. I was writing about that, that one specific time, you know, like it'll kind of come to me later. Um, yeah, yeah. Does that does that happen to you? Like, where you like write a song and like the the lyrics are something you don't really even understand until like a few months later or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a crazy write, feeling. Yeah, yeah, I like to write really stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of you know not attaching the conscious mind to what I'm writing so much, but every time I I write that way inevitably months weeks a year later uh, the story comes to me as to what i would you know it's like oh that's what that's about yeah that's what i was trying to say whoa yeah Um, i had my first instance of that um recently making this record and there's a song um i yeah it's called monarch but i wrote it about um the migration of monarch butterflies and just because that's what i was like reading about at the time or whatever but then in hindsight, I was like, whoa, this is such like a perfect metaphor for like migrating from Japan to Canada when I was a kid, you know, and just learning about it when you're older and like understanding it further after the fact. Yeah. Well, you know what? You just decided for me. We'll put that song on this episode. All right. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fun one. Beautiful way to talk about migrating you know what i mean and i guess it's very visual i see a monarch butterfly like it's yeah incredible. it's yeah. such like a such like a known image you know and yeah you know, those things are crazy they they like breed a super breed every i guess it would be fall i can't it's been a while since i read about it but they breed like a super breed of monarch butterflies that can live for quite a bit longer than the the rest of the butterflies throughout the year and they send 
those butterflies are the ones that migrate from like around here where I live, like Northeastern North America, like Toronto, like Michigan, Ontario, Michigan kind of area. And they fly all the way down to Mexico. <laughs> those tiny little butterflies. Can you believe that? I could not believe that the first time I heard of that. Yeah, that, that is really remarkable to think about. Speaking of migration and you coming from Japan, um, how, what was the difference between what you had in your mind? I know you were only four, but let's say you, you um, reflected on it later even, you know, your idea of America, your idea of, or not America, America, yes, but also just the continent, you know, Canada as well, um, versus your experience. Was there a huge gap or, uh, or did it? Was hmm. it a different take than you expected? I think, I don't think I even had very much enough time as a, like a coherent person in Japan to like formulate some sort of idea of what Canada or like America, North America, Western culture in general was like, because I kind of got thrown into it right when I was starting to like form memories and like, you know, speak language and all these things. And so I think, um, if anything, uh, I think my relationship with understanding culture comes from not understanding Japanese culture and like have forming an idea in my head as a kid, because, you know, I look in the mirror and look at my family and everyone's Japanese and I'm like, I'm Japanese, but I have no idea what that means but I grew up in Canada and I know very much what it's like to grow up in Canada and I understand Canadian society. And, um, but I don't think I understand Japanese culture or society, even to this day. Like I, I do my best to learn. And I went there last year to like go see my dad again for the first time in a while. And, but I think that was the, that's a bigger shock to me than moving to Canada because I grew up in Vancouver and, you know, grew up in like a, white suburban community mostly and yeah did you experience um racism in uh, growing up japanese in a white community Um, it it was predominantly white there was like other like like people of color minorities um but it was predominantly white and i think any racism i experienced um was very subtle like very kind of like a microaggression sort of like, you know, people being like, oh, you're Asian, like you must be good at math, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, oh, you look like Jackie Chan, kind of that kind of bullshit. Like you look like the kid from the the grudge, you know, just, um, I think that was kind of the, the like extent of the racism I experienced. Um, yeah. That's, that's still, uh, even those three things you rattled off as microaggressions, um, as a young child or an adult, I think that that is still really harsh and not something that um, makes you, you know, like it's, it's, it's divisive, you know, like you feel separate from and that you're being mocked in some capacity. And I imagine it does um, seep in to, totally. wait, why, why am I, what's the, di- there should, you know, like that, just that as a child, I'm sure too, until your brain's fully formed, just the, you know, what, what does that do in a, in, 
cognitive way or yeah it's confusing being like othered yeah growing up you know you're like why am i different like right yeah i remember yo this is you want to hear something trippy when i was like 10 or so uh i i was at like a family dinner at my grandparents house and i remember looking in the mirror and for like 10 or 15 minutes i had this like weird cultural dysmorphia moment and i was fully convinced that i like looked like a white person and i was like telling my family i was like guys i I just realized right now that I like look white and they were like, what the hell are you talking about? You're, you're so Japanese looking (laughs) like it's undeniable. And I was like for, for a little while convinced. And like, I eventually came around and was like, that was, that was wild. That's so, so untrue. But I think it speaks to what you were just saying about it. It's seeping in to your subconscious a bit. And you're like, wait, I, I am other, like I'm, I'm being othered and, yeah. Did you feel like when you thought, oh, everybody, look, I'm white, and you had that moment, did that bring you pride? Like, were you hoping? Did, did you like that understanding? You know, were you thinking, like, now everything's different? I'm, I look, it turns out I look white. Like, was that a positive <laughs> in your mind? Like, hey, everybody, I've jumped. <laughs> I've jumped ship. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm now white, and like that—that that all these additional privileges that I didn't have before. Um, did you see it as something where, like, you know, was it a wish? Like, it, it, was it some kind of, you know? And I'm asking this not because I think that it is, or that you, but I just wonder in the mind of a child why you would have done that. Was it, it was a desire to be accepted or was it, or am I reading too much into it? I mean, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I think those are all like really valid questions about it. But I, I think more than anything, because I was so young, it was probably just like a, I want to fit in because so many of my good friends were like white and like came from white families. And yeah, I think it was more just like a, like a really like a subconscious deep desire to want to fit in. And you know, be a, be just like everyone else, and not be different. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately, those differences taught me so much in my life, and I have learned so much that so many people will never get to learn. You know, um, uh, uh, like being um, Japanese in a in a predominantly white community is. You know, I'm very grateful for that now. But w- when I was younger, I think. I think I really wished it wasn't that way. Right. But I'm so I'm so proud of my like cultural heritage and stuff now and I embrace it fully and you know try very much willing to learn and understand it and yeah. So now I'm just going to say hey tell us a little bit about your record if you feel like it. Yeah, of course. I'm, I would love to. Um it it actually speaks a lot to what we were just talking about. Um uh so uh, the record kind of is sequenced in a way where where I'm telling stories about that this whole kind of experience, like both uh, dealing with my nationality, my cultural identity, uh, and my relationship to my father and like my mother and father separation and all this stuff. So um, each song is kind of speaking from either my narrative or um, the narrative of my mother or my father. Um, and it kind of chronicles all those experiences and um through like different stories um if that makes sense 
uh, and it, the, te the record is called Souvenir. And the idea behind the title is that, you know, a souvenir is something you just, you, that reminds you that you, something you take with you that reminds you of like a person, a place or an event or a feeling or something. Right. And I think that's what these songs are for me. They're like, they're the, the mnemonic device sort of uh, the reminder of, of those people and those, those happenings and those events and feelings that, that I had along the way. Great. I, I, I'm love a concept album. So cool. Cool. I'm glad. It's really, it's really great. Um, okay. My last question, the one, one of the questions I always ask is about activism. What's your, I'll try and answer um, how it kind of, carries through my my art and my music um i think as a japanese person making music in north america um regardless of whether or not the content of my music is about being japanese i am japanese and i'll be depicted as the japanese artist the japanese singer songwriter i'll never just be singer songwriter Jonah Yano, you know what I mean? So I, I really do try and make a point of acknowledging that and, and understanding how lucky I am to be able to represent um, an underrepresented group of people in my medium. And I really, really, really hope that, you know, if, if my platform gets, you know, past the little underground bubble I have, I really, really hope that you know, young Asian artists can see that there are, in fact, avenues for, you know, being Asian in music, you know, because when I was growing up, it just didn't seem like likely at all. There was nobody, you know, there was like Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. This is like the only person I can think of off the top of my head and, you know, that, that I could like see myself in. And so I think in that, um, I think that's where my music has some sort of political, so social agenda. You know, it's it's just by sheer virtue of me being Japanese and having to own own that. You know, I can't ignore that. I can't just pretend not to be Japanese. I can't just not talk about it. Um, in fact, I I would like like talking about it, and then I'm I'm proud to talk about it. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your record, Souvenir. And more importantly, because our listeners and watchers will be listening and watching now, for sharing your song, Monarch, here on Launch Left.
Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left of center artists in all creative fields. <laughs> 